Hey everybody, this is Dylan. What you're about to listen to is the first Z Prime on the Grid live show at Start at ETS early in September. Now, we did a lot to get this put together, but one thing that ended up happening was my mic was muted. Everyone else's works fine, but my voice is just going to be a little bit quieter. I'm sure for some of you the prospect of me being a little bit quieter is a welcome one, so I hope you enjoy the episode either way. I'm your host, Dylan Lockwood. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, research analyst, Aaron Hardick. How are you doing today, Aaron? Good, Dylan. I'm excited to be here at Start and ETS. We've been planning this thing for what feels like a year since literally the day after the last one ended. I feel like we've been planning for it. It's always nice to get you know, to the day of the event and really start to execute all of the things that you, you know, you've been talking about and working towards. So I'm really happy to be here. And so far, I think the event is going really well. Yeah, uh, we're, here, we're here midday at the One World Theater in Austin. For those of you catching this uh, after the fact, for our Start at ETS startup competition, uh, we've seen a lot of projects, a lot of pitches come out so far, and we're still waiting on the judges to uh, tell us who the ultimate winner is. But we've got a judge here to talk about the whole thing. We've got the director of energy and transport from Austin Tech Incubator, Richard Amato. How are you doing today, Richard? How are you liking the event? I'm doing great, thank you, Dylan. Uh, so, what? Uh, what do, you, what do you like about Start ETS? What, do you, what is ATI hoping to see at this event? Well, first off, you guys do an amazing job on events between the Start at ETS event and your main one in the spring as well. We're proud to be a part of it and enjoy um, participating in it. Um, just a solid and fantastic events all the way through. Um, Start at ETS, this is actually my first one to attend here. and. Um, I've been um, just amazed at uh, how well it's gone to date. I mean, first off, One World Theater, can you get any better than that? This place is beautiful. Um, it is a really unique place, and it's great to have a unique event like this at such a unique location. Um, as far as started ETS, I mean, we actually have two of the nine companies that presented today were Austin Technology Incubator companies. So for us, it's great to be able to get our companies in front of the judges and in front of the utilities that are actually here. And Aaron, uh, what's, what's, Z, what's Z Prime's stake in this? Why, why do we put this event on? Well, I think right now, given the current state of the energy industry, there is so much innovation and disruption going on to what is considered the traditional utility business model. And Z Prime, as a research organization who is focused on keeping track of you know, trends in the industry, what is actually going on, um, what are challenges that are arising, and how do we start to fix them? Uh, this event kind of serves as a platform to get some of those new ideas out there that really could end up being transformative to the industry. It's, you know, it's not easy, and Richard knows this, it's not easy to just start a company and build exactly. a product and just get it out there, and all of a sudden it's causing disruption and transformation all over the place. Um, there needs to be mentorship and guidance and 
feedback, and there just has to be a lot of collaboration around innovation. And so Start at ETS serves as a, a place where that can happen. And I think that's why it's important for Z Prime to put on an event like this, is to bring those utilities, those innovators, those investors um, all together to really think about what could truly impact the energy industry and how do we get it out there so that it does get the impact that, or have the impact that it, it potentially can. I think, that's, I think that's right. And I think, uh, I think it's also pertinent to note that Z Prime itself was once a startup company that uh, Jason and Mark made uh, in their parents' basement in Austin. Yeah, and I guess I think the best thing is with, uh, with the startups you mentioned, it's not easy. And um, being able to gather you know, key enablers within the industry, both on the investor side and on the customer side, the utilities, and being able to get these uh, technologies and or companies in front of them is really key. As we were talking during the judging session, you know, it's really about validation. And it's not just about developing the technology, but it's actually about getting the technology in use, getting it piloted, getting it tested, you know, pushing and prodding and making it break so you can fix it and make it better again. And that's where uh, the audience here can really support these companies. So uh, as a judge, what are, what are some tips you'd give to some fresh startups or someone who's looking to pitch a pilot, get their foot in the door? Well, um, first off, make sure that you have the resolution to do it because it's not easy. I mean, um, part, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's the loneliest job in the world being an entrepreneur. And it takes a lot of resolve. Uh, it's a roller coaster of a life. And there's highs, but there's lows. And, you know, you've got to make sure that you can, you can handle it. I mean, we often see, I mean, one of the things we try and help, help the companies that we work with is, with is you know, support them along the way, but also help them figure out when it's time to pivot, whether that pivot might just be within their business, or maybe it's actually time to give it up. Because oftentimes, it's hard to give up your baby. And that's what uh, these companies are to many of the uh, innovators. And they, they have to be, though, because they have to be all in to be able to succeed. And so uh, is, that the, is, that the kind of, is that the kind of energy that they should be bring into their pitches, or is there a... No pun intended. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so... Well, they have to, you know, they have to bring, um, you know, a positive attitude. Uh, they have to, I mean, and that's where we work with them. We, we try and help build up their confidence. We we're a sounding board so that, you know, hopefully they've gone through um, the pitches and have had a chance to kind of work out the kinks. So in events, particularly like this, when they get up on stage, I mean, you know, they have five minutes, and um, five minutes isn't a lot of time, but you should also be able to, you know, tell your story in 30 seconds like the elevator pitch. Um, but then some competitions have 10 minutes. So the, oftentimes the challenge is just how do you make sure you get the information across with what the audience is looking for and the time allotted. Aaron, this is our, this is our, third, this is our third start, so we've seen a lot of, uh, we've seen a lot of folks come, come and go through. Uh, just from, from some of the memorable uh, presentations that stood out to you, what, what were some common themes you saw? Well, you know, we're certainly seeing a lot of things or products that provide visibility into the distribution system and, and transmission and distribution. 
I think right now that's where a lot of the, the blind spots, if you will, are on the grid. And there is a lot of focus on creating more visibility into that system so, then, so that you can then increase control, reliability, and resiliency. So I would say just overall, a lot of focus on T&D. Other things we're seeing, um, small products, actual physical products, um, and then a few you know, software solutions. But I think it really is focused on transmission and distribution. I would say that's, that's really the number one. And then you have overall um, kind of like trends that are associated with innovation in the space right now. What I mean by that, artificial intelligence, machine learning, advanced analytics, how do those things start to play into these products and these um, platforms, applications that are creating this more visible, easier to operate and manage grid. So, uh, actually, uh, I'll pass that off to you, Richard. Uh, what are some common themes you're seeing in between uh, between successful pitches that you've liked? You don't have to name names yet, but. Um, well, like Aaron mentioned, I think, um, a lot of it, it, a lot of what I saw today was about how do um, how do you drive, how do you support and help utilities uh, do their job better, cheaper. You know, it's cheaper, faster, better, right? Um, and that's where I think on the T and D side, you see, transmission distribution side, you see a lot of um, technologies, whether it's software based or hardware based as well, that's helping, you know, drive down the operating cost, help them be help them be able to do their job more efficiently. You know, another interesting thing I saw talked about today also was just on the customer um, interface side and the customer interaction. And utilities historically have have always had challenges with that. And how can they drive to um, to better improve their customer satisfaction, customer interactions and such. Yeah, so, it, sorry, I can't believe I missed custom, customer satisfaction, customer engagement. That's what our, our research panel was right, on right. this morning. How do you start to drive better engagement um, with your customers? And that is, you know, that is so important right now. And so much focus is being put into that. You know, you see like these separate innovation mm -hmm. arms almost within utilities that are focusing on the next, the next wave of products and services. Really, but it, that information or, or those decisions are being based around what customers are doing. So, being able to, like Shay had mentioned, um, start to determine what your customers want aside from a traditional demographic viewpoint is certainly something that utilities are going to start exploring. Um, I think social media um, is one tool that utilities will start to use to understand. Um, their customers more, but I think that there still are a lot of developments that will come in that space that will really start to transform customer engagement and make it more proactive as opposed to reactive. Yeah, and uh, Aaron and Shay did a great job in the morning uh, session with, uh, you know, I love the uh, uh, kind of the relation to the tech giants of the world, the Amazon, the Googles, the Apples and such, and how people view those towards customer service. Not too many people are going to think the same thing about utilities, but it doesn't have to be. And utilities are, there's B2B and a B2C. Um, and, you know, there's no reason they can't be that way. But just historically, uh, they haven't. Um, um, and that's what they're driving towards. I think that's where there's a lot of opportunities. Yeah, so... Just uh, as a as as a judge, 
do you like it more when a startup has a unique solution to a, to a well-known problem, like the, like the T&D stuff, or when they reveal a potential problem you perhaps didn't even consider before? Either way, I think um, to me personally, um, I always look at what, what, what is their unique value proposition if they're going to be successful. I mean, you know, why, what are they doing that's different and how are they going to be successful about it? Because um, from a company, so from a societal standpoint, solutions are great, right? But from a company standpoint, what are you doing that's different? You know, 100 companies are flying drones to look at transmission lines, right? That's, that's an easy, there's not a lot, a lot of market barriers there. What are you doing to actually differentiate yourself from all the other competitors in the marketplace? And that's what will help drive success within the company. So then, uh, how do how do you how do you then take that take that next step, moving from you know from pitch to pilot to partnership? How how mm -hmm. do how do these solutions turn into uh, into longer term partnerships and solutions? Well, you come to start at ETS to begin with, <laughs> um, but I think you know you you have to have at least um, a minimal viable product or, or a prototype um, to be able to test. Um, and that can be the hardest thing, especially in the energy space, because we're not usually, so, sometimes we are, but we're not often talking about just software. Uh, we're talking about hardware. Um, software takes programmers coding, and you, know, you can go through that. But the hardware takes capital oftentimes to buy stuff, steel and other stuff. And there's that valley of death of how do you build a prototype to be able to get it piloted and tested, and where do you raise the funds for? So it's not easy, but you know, one of our companies here, uh, Yada Solar, you know, they've been able to raise a lot of the funds through competitions, um, coming to events like this. And then one thing we try to do is we work with our local utility, which has been great, Austin Energy, uh, to help support some of the validations and the testing and such. And so I think the more engaged that um, um, we can be groups with the utilities, and the more open utilities are to uh, validation. We have the Pecan Street group here, which does a lot of validation and such. The more validation that the companies can get by piloting their uh, prototypes, then that's really how they're going to uh, eventually get to the market. I think that uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. So uh, to follow up on that, Aaron, uh, do you think that? So in conjunction with Start, we also do the Solar Reverse Data Hackathon. Uh, at the same time to try and get coders, hackers, technologists, I believe is the term, uh, to start thinking about how they can use their talents to develop solutions in the energy space. So do you think the industry is, is, has, as a whole has been communicating to the young tech world, fresh engineers and students, that there are massive paradigm shifts, shifts happening and there's money to be made in finding solutions to the many issues facing the modern grid, or, or at least improving on that? Do I think the industry is proactively targeting the workforce that it needs? Uh, I don't know about that. I think that there is still some miscommunication around delivering value propositions or trying to relay to this next generation of the workforce how important these problems are. I don't think that that message is being communicated well enough, but I also do think that it is on, uh, there is responsibility that falls on the younger generation to be proactive and think about, you know, what challenges do I want to solve 
and so that I can live in the community I've created for myself 10, 15, 20 years down the line. So I don't think it's there yet. I think that utilities are moving in that direction, and you're starting to see a lot more of these community engagement programs, um, and talent is being pulled from other industries into the energy industry. And we've, we talked about this at ETS 18, you know, kind of how did you end up here? It's most of the time somebody who was working for someone else who maybe got put onto it, who was doing consulting, and then they happened to fall onto an energy client, and then they realized that maybe energy is, is lucrative, and they had a passion for it, and that's why they're, they're here. They, I don't think that there still is, like I said, the, a very clear communication on the need to solve some of these challenges and to start doing it right now. And the people who are, are going to be doing it um, need to realize that if, if you push this off onto other people, then you're not going to create, you can't create the community that you want to live in if you don't want to interact and try to help solve some of those problems. So I, I think that there still is a little bit of a disconnect, but I hope to see more tech. AI, you know, machine learning, data scientists, those type of people start to move into these positions um, within energy companies, within utilities. And then you also start to think about, well, like, what actual position can they fill at a utility right now? Um, what kind of things are utilities doing that they can put this expertise and knowledge to work in a useful way that they can create revenue off of it? Um, that still seemed to be a little muddy, but again, there is some responsibility on the younger workforce to start help to iron out and figure out what exactly the way is forward. So I don't think it's being done very well, but I think that both, like both, really both sides are, I don't want to say at fault, but both sides could probably try a little harder, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I think we need to sexy up the industry. I mean, if you think about it, um, I mean, everybody wants to, again, go to the tech companies. Everybody wants to work at Apple and Facebook and Google and such. But um, people aren't crawling over themselves to work at the utilities industry. And you know, it's about, it's about imaging. It's, I mean, it's a variety of issues. But I mean, one thing, you know, our focus at ATI is more on the clean tech sector. And that is one piece of the pie that actually does have a lot of interest from you know, the, the, the latest generation. And there is a lot of interest driven towards that. So it, it's really like you said: is how do how do utilities, how do the energy companies start to look at themselves and start to start sexy themselves up, make these problems exciting for the youth to come join the revolution? I think one of the other things. So clean tech is interesting in, in my opinion because a lot of there are a lot of young people in clean tech. Mm -hmm. But I think that when people who get into clean tech, they see clean tech as a way to live out, you know, their personal values of exactly. sustainability and whatever it is and they they see how they can live out that personal value in a business sense as well and so they can really tie those things together and that creates passion within these young individuals and so how do you start to think about how you you live out your daily values also within the utility sustainability um, you know young people they just value so many different things. So how do you start to determine what people value in their personal life and how, it wants, how they want to transition it into their, their work life and create those environments that are sexy and people want to work in and, and they want to go and help solve these problems? Yeah, and you mentioned a really uh, good word is passion. I mean, I think that's, that's what speaks to people and what connects people. And you know, even as we go back towards startups and um, 
you know, innovators, it's really those that are passionate about what they're doing are, are going to, those are going to succeed. So whether you're in a startup, you're in a corporate environment, I mean, I think passion is a really important factor. And just think back about, you know, you know, your own history um, and the jobs you've had that you weren't that excited about and those that you were and kind of what, you know, everybody kind of walks to the, to a different beat and you have to find really what is your beat that you want to walk to. I had, a, I had before I came to Z Prime, I actually was an intern at Z Prime and my then boss was actually in the room right now, Drew Johnson over there, hired me on. And then um, I actually took a, a small five month internship while I was also interning with Z Prime with a big financial banking firm, and I was just doing this job where I was executing the same six procedures over the same Excel workbooks every single day, and there was no type of unique problem solving associated with it, and that's what I really enjoy. You know, how do, how do I start to look at a problem, and what are the different creative ways that I can start to solve that problem? That job just was not a good fit for right. me, and my it was very clear to my boss. She was like, I can tell that you are not passionate about this. Maybe it's not the right thing for you. And I was like, yes, this is definitely not the right thing for me. So then I said bye to that and, and stayed on at Z Prime. And now here I am, which I'm you know, very passionate about this industry and, and what we do. So, it, it, that's so it's so true, especially if you're in the wrong job. Oh my gosh, it's such a, such a damper. You don't want to get up and you don't want to go don't. to work. And yeah. It's getting real. It's, it getting, is. it's getting quite real <laughs> very quickly. Um, well, it looks like we're still waiting for some people to trickle in. So uh, at the risk of going over, well, you're going to go over, but uh, since we're still kind of waiting a bit, I wanted, to, I wanted to play a little bit of a game. Uh, since it's our first live show that we've ever done, I was hoping for a little bit of audience participation. Is there anyone who would want to engage us with a game? There's, there's a gift certificate in it for you. Sure they will. Can, can, I, see a, can I see a hand? A <laughs> A show of hands. How about you, ma'am? Yeah, I'm a little nervous. I just happened to It's okay. It's just, uh, it's just seeing how big of a fan you are. Oh gosh. Can we? Can a, we? A fan of what? Can we get her a mic? I don't know if someone. What are the rules to the game? The rules to the game are, uh, you answer the questions, and if you if you get enough right, <laughs> then you'll win the gift certificate. And if you don't get enough right, then you'll probably still get the gift certificate, but we'll just laugh at you. <laughs> then this might not end up making it into the recording. Anyway, so like question one, who is the host of Z Prime on the Grid? Is it A, Dylan Lockwood, B, Dylan Thomas, or C, Matt Dylan? Can you read his name tag? Okay, um, and I'm going to go with A. That is correct. Woo! Dylan Thomas is a poet. <laughs> so I believe uh, Aaron has question two. Okay. Who won Start at ETS last year? Was it A, Grid 2020 with their smart transformer technology, B, a small Russian company called Scamazon with their home AI technology called Alex, or C, Austin Energy who weren't, who weren't even entered because they're a utility, but Carl Popham slipped us 50 bucks, so we gave it to him? A. A, yes. See, I actually knew that one. It's not that hard. <laughs> So uh, I believe okay. Richard has question three. Okay, we have question three here. According to a Z Prime paper released earlier this year, 49% of utilities believe they are not testing and optimizing customer programs enough. 
according to those same respondents, what is the number one challenge to testing and optimizing customer programs? Is it A, employee skill sets and expertise, B, budget constraints, or C, lack of customers willing to volunteer for mad science experiments in the darkest reaches of the utilities? A. It's actually B. A, it's B, budget constraints. Yeah, budget that's, constraints. That's, uh, that's, that, that, that's interesting. Uh, employee skills and expertise was like number four, but actually, yeah, the number one, the number one uh, challenge to testing and optimizing customer, pro customer programs is budget constraints. So you have to be really careful when you're, when you're planning out your... Uh, when you're planning out your customer programs because they need to be effective, but they also need to not bankrupt you. I think you also have question four, Richard. I do. Question four, which of the following is not true about power theft? A, industry experts estimate that six to nine billion dollars of energy is stolen from the distribution grid in the U.S. alone. B, most power theft happens in front of the meter. Or C, most power theft is perpetrated by bootleggers like that in the show Moonshiners on Discovery. And is that show fake, by the way? I mean, it's got to be because they show their faces where their stills are, and, you know, so <laughs> who knows? There's no way, like, any of that's on level. It's what's not true? Which one's not true? Not true. B. It's actually C. C. Come Those on. Aren't oh, not true. I'm sorry. You guys, I'm, I'm out of it. Oh, you're that's fine. That's okay. Yeah, that, this, this, was from our, this was from our podcast that we released yesterday, so only true fans would get that one right. It's okay. Well, or, or logical fans yeah. would get that right. Well, right. <laughs> Industry, uh, yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of power theft happening, and it's happening in front of the meter. So even if you even if you have even if you're tracking power usage with an AMI meter, you're not actually you're not actually able to find out who's stealing your power. Um, here, Aaron, I'll give you this one. Okay. Well, on an episode way back, we talked to Phil Malone from Energy Ottawa about the state of our physical infrastructure, namely underground cables. How were the cables laid during the rapid suburbanization of the 60s, 70s, and 80s? A, they were laid in underground ducts nestled lovingly by velvet cushions. B, they were covered in protective metal casing like Iron Man if he was, if he was a cable a couple of hundred miles long. C, they were thrown in the dirt and buried like mob victims, then left to deal with the elements for 40 years. <laughs> I'm going to roll with C on this one. Yes. C is Thank correct. You. C, is correct. C, is, C is correct. Uh, because they needed to get as much cable laid as possible, it meant that, that they ended up having to like, not protect it as much as they, they could, and now we're kind of starting to pay the price now. We're, we might end up having lots of cable failures. So that's something utilities need to keep an eye out on. Uh, when they're updating their cables. So, and the final question we'll have for you is, uh, as, as of now, how many episodes of Z Prime on the Grid this podcast are there? Is it A, 28, one for every two weeks, plus a little extra because we love our audience? B, 52, one for every week because we're dedicated to bringing hot energy topics on the reg? And C, or C, 104, two for every week because when I close my eyes, now I see Adobe Audition. <laughs> B. Uh, I, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you think so highly of us. Sorry, it's A, a. 28. <laughs> but I have good news for you. You've won the game. Thanks. So you, uh, I'll just give you a round of I was actually very nervous. You won $25 of free coffee at Austin Java. So uh, thanks, for indulging, thanks for indulging us in this game. Uh, I want to thank my, uh, my guests, or my, I guess my co-hosts for the day, 
Uh, Aaron, thanks for thanks for showing up. On thanks, Stone. Um, yeah, it's always nice to do you know live podcasts. We've only done what two or three other. Or no, this is our first live podcast. This is our first on a stage. And then we've recorded like four or five in person together. So normally when we record these, it's remote and it's really hard to have banter with people when, when you can't you're doing things yeah. remotely. So it's always such a fun time to do this with you in person, Dylan. And I'm so glad you got to join us, Richard. No, it's been great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thanks for, thanks for being on, Richard. It's, a, it's, al it's always a blast. And I really hope we get to do more of these live shows because it's a lot of fun. Uh, so, and thanks to you all for attending, thank you all for attending Start, and to all of you listening at home, thanks for, thanks for joining us uh, a couple weeks late. Uh, my, my name is Dylan, and we'll see you all on the web next time. Thank you. Thanks, Dylan.